0: There's something you wanna change about yourself or your life, but no matter how hard you try, you can't seem to make it happen. Even the smallest changes can feel like a massive struggle. By the end of this podcast, you're going to understand that what causes you to struggle to change is actually a positive function that serves you really well. And when you understand it, you're not going to struggle to change anymore because you'll know how to work with it. Now, there are three parts to this conversation. The first part is understanding why it feels so uncomfortable to make changes. The second part is zeroing in on what exactly the limitation is. The third and final part is about reframing how you think which will make change so simple you won't even believe it until you try it. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Yulia and Nate.
1: Hello. Hey. Nice to be here.
0: All right. So let's just jump right into this. So. When you try to change, and I'm sure everyone listening has tried this at some point, there often is that negative feeling that tries to sort of pull you back into the old way, the old pattern. It's almost as if you sort of have a certain kind of alignment in your life. And when you want to level up, when you want to change, when you want to go beyond that, it's almost as if there's this resistance that feels very negative that wants to suck you back into that pattern. Like you want to eat healthier or start exercising any of those types of new habits you want to cultivate. And maybe for the first week or the second week, you do pretty well. And then gradually, little by little, you find yourself falling back into that same old pattern of not doing those new things that you want to do. And so change can feel like you're on this uphill battle and there's so much resistance trying to pull you back and we get angry about that and we say things that you know like i don't know why i sabotage myself am i afraid of uh success and all these things that really just confuse the situation even more rather than realizing that there's a very important function that's happening here and that is what we call cognitive dissonance and i think nobody has uh really talked about this before that it's cognitive dissonance that makes it so hard for you to change and i think a lot of people would have a problem with thinking well cognitive dissonance is a positive thing that sounds so bizarre and it actually is if you think about now i'm not saying that engaging in cognitive dissonance as in being hypocritical or saying one thing and doing another is a good thing that's not a good thing what i am saying is that that negative feeling that you experience when you engage in cognitive dissonance is actually a good thing.
2: You, you mind, uh, Damon? If I stop you for a second, can you just give us a definition, just just in case, uh, for uh, cognitive dissonance?
0: So, cognitive dissonance, and this is not a textbook definition uh, sure. by any stretch, is just when your actions do not line up with your general attitudes, beliefs, or especially what you say. So if you, that's why I use the word hypocritical, because that's the most of the time, uh, especially when it comes to arguing and you hear about this a lot in politics, they'll, they'll bring up, well, that's cognitive dissonance. The person is saying one thing and doing the opposite. Technically that's hypocrisy. Cognitive dissonance is when you really do go against what it is you believe or what your general attitudes or beliefs are.
2: I see.
0: Now we have a lot of limiting beliefs i don't know anyone who doesn't have any limiting beliefs and if you really want to get down to it a belief itself is a limitation because we don't really connect directly with what's going on with reality and all of the endless resources and opportunities that are happening all around us all the time it's our beliefs that keep us from seeing that but it's also our beliefs that gives us a certain amount of comfort And kind of fills in the gaps of what is missing, all of those unknowns. So we have to fill in those gaps by using beliefs. So we're going to use beliefs. And because we use beliefs, there will always be limitations. Now, when we deviate from something, especially a deeply held belief, and most of these deeply held beliefs are deeply unconscious. We don't know that we believe these things, they're just in there and they're guiding us in our actions and our behaviors every single day. When we deviate from one of those beliefs, then we experience cognitive dissonance. So what I'm getting at here is when you decide to change, when you want to change something, the the uncomfortable feeling that you experience when you start doing things differently mm-hmm. is actually cognitive dissonance. And then we start to easily revert back to the old pattern because cognitive dissonance is so uncomfortable. So why is it there to begin with? Well, it's not there to keep you from improving your life. It's there to keep you sane. That's really what it is, it's there to keep you grounded because your, your reality is your beliefs. And I can say it the other way too, your beliefs create your reality. So if you start deviating from the certainty and the comfort of what you feel you know is true, that's that creates a lot of chaos. And the one and confusion and the one thing that you are hardwired to uh, to avoid is chaos and confusion, and so you get that negative feeling and that is cognitive dissonance. So operating outside of your normal beliefs and your normal patterns is going to create that feeling. So whether it's an exercise program or you want you have a goal to to make more money, any of those things, when you start going outside of what you think maybe is possible, what you think is possible for you, what you think you deserve, any of those things. You're going to, you're going to experience some resistance. You're going to experience a negative feeling. And that is cognitive dissonance. And it's there to protect you, not to hurt you. And so that's the first understanding we need to to start with.
1: So isn't it like, doesn't the unconscious know that change can be good and change is growth? Is it like we have to fight that part of us that says, no, we like things the way they are. We like things to be comfortable and we like things to be organized But in the real world, actually, you know, change is good. Change is helping us. So why doesn't the unconscious realize that?
0: The unconscious, a lot of it is built on instructions that you've given it over the years. And so at a certain point, you had probably some jarring changes in your life that felt very confusing, made your reality feel very chaotic. You know, I I think of one of the things that often comes up when I'm working with someone is some of the childhood traumas that come up and it could be something as simple as parents getting divorced. So their reality up until that point was a two parent household and that might've felt very stable. And then suddenly that's being split apart. And so now there's change and there's confusion, there's chaos. And then that person goes in and we don't really cognitively consciously do this, but that person says, okay, you know what? We don't like this. (laughs) It's very destabilizing. So let's hold on to certainty as much as we possibly can.
1: So would you say that we built that up because majority of the past experiences led to the fact that confusion and uncertainty, uncomfortability is not good? As in, we try to change, it didn't go well. And that happened more often than we tried to change, and you went well.
0: No, it, in fact, you probably have experienced more positive changes in your life than you have experienced negative changes. So why
1: don't those overpower to we, have an understanding that change is good?
0: Because negative feelings are tend to overshadow positive feelings. We tend to overlook the positive because uh, the negative is uh, it, it overshadows that it's far stronger. So there was a I think a study done where they the impact of a negative uh, comment or an insult on someone and how many times they needed to be complimented to make up for that one insult of something like 16 times. So it just goes to show you that a negative comment that someone makes about you, oftentimes most people, and you can change this, you have control over this, but if you're not really aware of it, oftentimes it has far more powerful uh, effects on you than a compliment would. So you've been, you, you, most of your changes in your life probably have been positive, But you just kind of go, oh, well, you know, that's how it should be. Right. (laughs) That's you know, that that aligns with my expectations of life. The changes are positive. And then you've probably had some negative changes, far fewer. But those negative feelings have overpowered the the positive feelings that you've gotten from positive changes. And so you fear that. And that's not uh, that's. People might say, well, that that might be a bug in the system, but it's Mm -hmm. actually a benefit in the system. And it benefited us very much when we were prehistoric and we had a lot more threats. Like life now is a lot more comfortable and a lot safer than it's ever been. And then you could say, well, why are we always so afraid of, of change then? Well, hundreds of thousands of years ago, if you walked into your cave and you noticed some things out of place, and you went, oh, no big deal, and then the saber-toothed tiger jumped out and ate you, your genes didn't get passed on. Right. But if you walked into that cave and you go, okay, something's different here. I don't know what it is. This is freaking me out. I'm out of here. Well, you lived and you passed on your genes. So we are the descendants of people who don't like change or who, who attach negativity to change, and it freaks us out, and that kept us alive for you know hundreds of thousands of years. But Right now, we don't need that as much. So yeah, it takes the, the conscious mind understanding what's going on, which if you're listening to this, that's what you're doing right now. You're starting to understand how this works. And then you can go and work with the unconscious. And that's why I love NLP so much is that it's taking these unconscious processes, making them conscious and then saying, okay, now that I can, now that I've made this conscious, now I can make a choice about this. As long as it's unconscious, you can't make a choice about it because you don't know what's stopping you. So now that you do, now you can make a change. So cognitive dissonance is something that's built into you as a benefit, not a bug, to help you stay grounded and live in a reality with a sense of safety and comfort and certainty about what's going on around you. Now, when you challenge that with making a change in your life, your unconscious doesn't know the difference of, is there a major threat happening? Or are we just trying to improve ourselves?
2: Mm.
0: And so that's where we, this is, you know, the the next two steps of this is, this is where we get into that and start to, to sort that stuff out. And again, this is why I like NLP so much. We don't, we don't try to talk ourselves into, well, the change is going to be good. And this is why, and, you know, trying to bang content up against, uh, you know, the content of your limitations when you don't know what that content is just creates more resistance. You just resist resistance. And that just increases the, the negativity and you go, you know, okay, screw it. I've already worn myself out overthinking this thing. And I'm just gonna continue doing things the way that I've been doing that I'm not gonna change. And that's kind of what happens for uh, a lot of people, probably most people actually.
2: What do you think some of the common thoughts are just so that way uh, the listener can kind of track where they're at in different areas of their life? like. um I don't know, that's just the way I am, like that kind of thing. Um, what, what, what kind of, thing, what kind of um, comments or ideas have you heard about uh, your clients say? Like, I, I've been trying to change this way. I don't think that I can because, is it usually attached to a story that way or?
0: Oh yeah, this, uh, probably most often is, uh, well, I had this experience or I had this thing happen to me when I was a kid. And so this is why I am the way that I am. What's funny about that is a lot of times people think, well, if I can just find out what happened to me in my childhood that caused this, then it'll somehow solve it. And then they find out or maybe they find an experience that it is what they think it is, that this was the cause. And then it it doesn't change anything. And what I'll tell people is like, "Okay, so that thing or whatever it was happened in childhood. Now you're allowing that to determine the narrative for the rest of your life, something that. Happened so far back then and it's not serving you anymore. Like it's understandable if you experienced a trauma and that has affected the way that you feel or think. But then just saying, kind of giving up and saying, well, that's just how it is. And that's just who I am. And that's what happened. So I, I'm going forward this way for the rest of my life. Uh, I think that's quite defeatist. <clears throat> and most of the time, I think uh, by the time people are coming to see me as a, as, a, as a coaching client, they're ready to make that change. They just don't know how. And so sure. they're they're ready to drop the narrative. They're ready to, to bury that thing in the past and, and move on. But that is a common one. And yeah, you do have a lot of people saying things like, well, you know, that's just who I am and that's the way I've always been. So somehow that's, I guess the logic there is that's the way you should always be. But obviously you're not happy with that. It's not serving you in any way. You're not being the person uh, you want to be. You're not being the person you know you could be. And I think that's the main part of the suffering is that a a lot of us do feel our greater potential calling and we don't answer that call because we've tried many times to make those changes and we failed. And so we feel the cognitive dissonance, that negative feeling when we try to change and then when it, it doesn't work and we find ourselves slipping back into the comfort of our old patterns then we feel even more negativity and say things to ourselves like, well, maybe I didn't deserve it or I didn't work hard enough. I didn't have enough willpower, enough discipline. None of those things are true, but we have to, we have to fill in the gaps somehow and we have to have some reasons
2: as to why that's happening. Do you think discipline is a, is common? I have the two of you heard that a lot with, with, um, from a client perspective, like that people feel like they're not disciplined enough or like they, some kind of like, some kind of force related language have you heard that quite a bit
0: Most of the time when people say things like well I, I I didn't accomplish what I wanted it was either because they felt that they were not good enough or they didn't have enough discipline or willpower and if they could simply increase their discipline and willpower then they would they would either now deserve it or then or now they would be able to, to do it and it's really uh, when it, and I was that person, too for a long time thinking that it was really a matter the only thing that separated me from living the life that i wanted was being more disciplined and then the more disciplined i became the more i hated my life <laughs> the more it just really sucked <laughs> and i wasn't enjoying it that much and so when that starts to happen your motivation for change starts dropping dramatically and you realize you're just in, you're just fighting yourself and mm-hmm. that's you're never going to be able to fight yourself hard enough to enjoy your life and feel happy and fulfilled and if you win, that's the other defeat, <laughs> you defeated yourself. So there's no winning, you know, there's only there's only losing in that situation. And so this is why it's so important to understand what exactly is happening. And it's more a matter of negotiation and integration than it is anything to do with war. But you, if you listen to people talk about this and it's so prevalent in personal development, you know, you, you got to defeat, this thing that's holding you back you got to overcome and bulldoze over resistance and the truth is is that all you're being encouraged to do is just fight yourself even more which is obviously going to take away from your well-being
1: it's interesting because when you think about it our unconscious already doesn't like change so by putting consciously this idea of discipline we just put a second layer of why it is so hard to change
0: definitely and i would say that i don't think that our unconscious doesn't like change.
2: Mm.
0: I think our unconscious likes change. As long as it's leading us toward more fulfillment, your, your unconscious is not your enemy. Your unconscious is there to help you. It's there to follow your instructions. When you gave it instructions at a very young age to be very skeptical of change and to, in most cases, fight change because change can lead to chaos and confusion and a lot of negative feelings that's the instructions you gave to your unconscious. It's just carrying out your instructions. So what we need to do is go in there and show our unconscious or update that information. As long as like and this is the, the amazing thing when you're doing self-concept work, when you're using Steve Andreas's uh, self-concept model to make changes like this. Once you inform your unconscious of what you're trying to do and you're connecting with your values, so your unconscious goes, oh, OK, there's where the clarity is. That's what we want. That's what he or she is asking me to do. You can go to bed next morning, wake up, go back to the work that you were doing on your self-concept and your unconscious oftentimes has made a lot of changes without you even having to try, because it is your ally. It is trying to help you. Once you can educate it on what it is you're wanting to do, then it's, it's all, it's all for you. I've I've heard the, the metaphor many times of the horse and the rider. Yeah, the horse and the rider, the rider and the horse. The rider is like the conscious and the horse is the unconscious. Mm. The two can work together, but the two can go, be opposed to each other as well. And so it's more about an, a relationship between the two that then will help you go places. You know, if you think about, you know, horses are, are very uh, sensitive animals. They're very relationship uh, oriented with their owners. I remember being at a horse show. I had a friend who I grew up with who rode horses. And I went to a horse show with them. And I actually happened to know some of the other people who were in the, the horse show. And so I'd go around and talking to different people. And I remember a few of them telling me how nervous their horse was. And I was like, the horse is nervous? Like, how, do, how does a horse know it's about to perform? How does a horse really give, you know, <laughs> care that all these people are watching it? And so I started asking those questions. I was like, how does the horse even know to be nervous? What is it nervous about? And it goes, oh, it has nothing to do with those things. It's nervous because it knows that I'm nervous so the horse was very sensitive to their rider or their owner's feelings and it doesn't understand the complexity of what the rider is nervous about it just knows to be nervous because the one who's riding on top of me is also nervous so there's something to be afraid of here
1: that's a very interesting uh, comparison it's so easy to understand how they do work together
0: yeah so you can't in communicating with the unconscious it's not It can be sometimes just as simple as talking directly to your unconscious. I've had those conversations and they've sometimes worked extraordinarily well, especially when I'm wanting to integrate resistance. But some of the stuff is more deep rooted where you're actually talking about traumas or what we call imprints and NLP. And so there needs to be more work done and you have to know how to navigate your unconscious and work with it, connect with it and not demonize it because this is a lot of what's going on in personal development is there you are being encouraged to fight yourself to will yourself to discipline yourself and that's not gaining any points with the the horse or the unconscious you know you can have that we know this for sure and it's all, it, it's so universal in relationships and working with people you can go back to the horse analogy there there's a guy named the horse Whis- whisperer i didn't see the whole documentary about him uh, but he happened to be abused when he was a kid, and when he was growing up, he noticed that people were training horses by abusing them, and he thought, you know, I think there's a better way to do this, and so he had a, has a way of connecting with the horses, and so he gives the horse the choice to follow him or to walk away from him, and but by that time he's already gained the trust of the horse, and so the horse follows him. So it's always a it's a relationship where he's connecting with the horse. Now you can go that route of beating the horse into submission, and you can get the horse to do some things about uh, what you want it to do, but you'll never get out of that horse what you can if you connect with it and and work with it in a relationship. And I had no idea that on this podcast we were going to be talking so much about horses, but here we (laughs) go.
2: So just to to take a quick quick note for everyone. So um, just uh, I want to encourage you to just to take uh, uh, inventory. Is there anywhere in your life right now that you think that you need to add discipline to? Or that you feel like you're not necessarily worthy enough. Um, those in those areas, those contexts, those points of life, is within it has your greatest opportunity when it comes to um, accessing the potential that's there. So that's um, I think that's really exciting about today's episode. Connection over discipline. Connection
0: over trying to fight yourself. Connect with yourself. You'll get so much more out of yourself. And the unconscious is a mysterious kind of thing until you bring whatever is in there into the light, and you can. And you can also appreciate its mysteriousness. The last thing you want to do, though, is to say, oh, there's, you know, my unconscious is working against me or I need to defeat it. Or I don't even, like, even when I hear people talk about self-sabotage, I'm just like, no, you're not trying to sabotage yourself. There is a part of you that has instructions that you gave it, and it's just trying to follow through with those instructions. That's all it's trying to do. If you reconnect with it, and update it. It's gonna it's gonna connect with the rest of you, which is really what it wants. It just wants to integrate with the rest of you. And when you are aligned and you're uh, whole, then you're really unstoppable. Nothing will stop you when you feel complete and whole with no resistance. And you can absolutely do that. And that brings us to the next step, which is to elicit that limitation, and accept it rather than push it away. So when you bump into resistance, it's always an incredible opportunity to Integrate something. So when you when you run into resistance, instead of being like, "Oh, you know, now I got uh, I've got this problem now, or, or I've got to fight it, or you know, go to war with this thing," it's like, no, don't do that. Just accept it and go. Okay, what's going on here? There's a part of me that's emerging that's saying something needs to be updated. And this is why I love that quote by Marcus Aurelius: the, "The obstacle is the way." And so when resistance comes up. You might have all your plans of all the things that you want to do, but that now that the resistance is showing up, now that's the way through the resistance, integrating the resistance, not trying to overpower the resistance or not ignoring the resistance and trying to get back to the plan, right? It's working with it and integrating it. And that is the journey. That'll serve you far greater than achieving any goal. The cool thing about goals is that as you move toward them, (laughs) rest assured. Resistance is going to come up because that's, you know, that's where the cognitive dissonance is coming from. But again, this is an opportunity to integrate something and to become more whole, which, again, will serve you so much better than just the achievement of a goal. You know, you you can achieve so many goals and still feel empty. And I know because those, those are most of the people I coach. They're high achievers and they can't understand why they feel so empty when on paper they should be the happiest people in the world. You know, they have so many accomplishments, they have so much money, a great family, and for whatever reason, they can't enjoy it. Well, you know, if you're not connecting with this deeper part of you and becoming more whole as you progress on your journey and as you achieve, it's the point. Like really it doesn't, you know, you can show your resume, you can show your trophies or whatever, and some people will
2: be impressed, but that's not going to be what fulfills you. So, so you're saying a second ago um, about you're referencing goal, the goal being actually the more of a tool to to access the opportunity to change rather than um, the goal itself being the, the thing. Is that is that what you're
0: absolutely. I think the big one of the biggest mistakes we make is that by achieving something or by acquiring something, whatever your, your goal is about but that's somehow going to give you something you don't already have. That's a huge mistake. So technically speaking, like if it's more money, you can say, okay, yeah, I have more money than I had before, but you got to understand like, well, well what, what is the value in the money that you're going after? What do you think is going to do for you that you don't already have? And this is this is like the, the strange uh, paradox of it is that people might say, so what, what you're saying is that I should never go after any goal or I should never go after any achievement. And it's like, no, you should absolutely do that. Just know that what it is that you're the value that you're wanting out of that is something that already exists inside of you. And if you're connecting with that, it actually makes it so much easier to get the goal. But the moment you withhold that from yourself and you put it out like a carrot on a stick and say, well, I can't have love or peace or happiness until I achieve that thing. That's just one way that you're either going to undermine your your ability to achieve that. That can, That's one way that can happen. Or you might, you be able to use a lot of willpower and discipline to force yourself to achieve it. But it's not, when it doesn't give you that, those values, those resources that you've withheld from yourself,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you're just going to feel empty because you, all your attention and expectation was on achieving that thing was going to give you something and it will not. And so when it doesn't, you go, oh, okay. That was really empty, and then some people will get depressed about it and not do anything else. And some people will go, oh, well, I guess I have to achieve something bigger, and they get back on that treadmill and go running after something while withholding that wholeness, you know, withholding what's inside of them. And so it's just a a process of you know running in circles and or in a tailspin, uh, thinking you're going to get something that you don't
2: already have. So when someone's setting a goal or achieving something because they feel they feel like they're lacking it um you know what what how does that undermine their ability to actually achieve the goal itself well because you just cut out your your motivation for it you cut
0: out your resources to achieve it so if i'm the the example i use most often is uh when i decided to to be an insurance agent Mm. and I didn't know this at the time. It wasn't until I learned NLP and I was able to to elicit my values from decisions, and I was using values elicitation to make any decision or to to uh, set any goal. And what that does is you connect with those values, and when you connect with those values, that's that is what the motivation is. And so I went, I thought, well, I wonder if I could do this with past decisions that I've made, but I didn't fully understand. I didn't fully understand why I become, had become an insurance agent. And I love that quote in the matrix. I think it's the second matrix with the Oracle where she says, you can't see past the choices you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I realized that this was going to be really important for me that I needed to understand why I made this choice to become an insurance agent. Uh, because if I didn't, then I wouldn't be able to move past it. And it was shortly after I understood this, that I moved past it. I, I, I quit being an insurance agent. Um, When I look back at why I became an insurance agent, I realized that the values that I elicited from that were were freedom, passion, and joy. Now, I knew I was not going to get passion from insurance. I just was not passionate about it. And I knew I wasn't going to get any joy out of it. What I thought it was going to give me was freedom. And the example that I had was my father, who has that kind of freedom. He runs that kind of insurance agency. He can leave at any time. His employees will run it. And I, I thought, okay, well, if I can have that kind of freedom, then the freedom will make me free to go and indulge my passions and do the things that make me joyful. Sure. But when you're doing something, <laughs> there's no passion and there's no joy, which is, you know, what I thought I was working towards by being an insurance agent. It makes it really hard to do that. It's like firing. You know, it's like you have I don't know six cylinders, and now you're only allowed to work off of one cylinder, sure. and so. I fell apart. And the other thing too, was I wasn't experiencing freedom either. Sure. I could say I'm my own boss and I can make my own hours, but I'm broke. <laughs> and so I have to work 80 hours a week to just keep my head above water. So I wasn't experiencing any of my values. So there was no wonder I wasn't succeeding at it.
2: Yulia, have you, um, you've done quite a bit of transformational work within your own self-concept. Do you have any, any examples of, you know, setting a goal, becoming the value equivalent of it, and then it being easier because of that?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. So, for example, I I knew that I'm somewhat organized, but I knew that having a better connection with that value and being certain that I'm organized is going to push me forward. And that works very well. And it also happened with small habits that I was trying to change. For example, I've always wanted to be a morning person, to get up early and be more productive. But for so long, it was so hard for me to achieve that because I just love the comfort of, you know, having a slow morning, sleeping in bed as long as I feel like I need to. And I realized that actually I value much more to be productive rather than be comfortable. As long as I get my hours of sleep, it's time for me to fulfill the other values. So that's the one that I usually found. Very common in my attempts to change is that comfort came up and you know, like wanting to go to the gym. Of course, I would love to uh, have a healthier lifestyle and do all the exercise. But then I was also thinking about the the comfort aspect. Well, you know, I have to get ready 30 minutes ahead, I have to go there, I have to sweat and then come back and take a shower and I waste so much time. Um, and right now, I do not have that issue anymore. And it's so interesting because, like like they mentioned, with integrating that resistance, I realized that I still have the comfort. It's just that I'm also fulfilling other values that actually I position higher than comfort. I value health much more than comfort.
2: Nice.
0: I think if you were to ask yourself the question, and this is a great question for all the viewers and listeners to ask themselves, have you ever set a goal? And then whether... Again, these things can happen unconsciously or they can happen consciously. But in a sense, you told yourself you weren't going to allow yourself to be happy until you achieved it. We do this a lot. And this is what I call the carrot on the stick model, where you think you have to motivate yourself by withholding from yourself uh, values like happiness. And I did this to myself constantly. And then I would never achieve the goal. And then when I would... Um, again, nothing is going to give you happiness. It's already inside of you. So it would be empty because I was like, well, okay, this thing didn't do it for me. Mm. Think about this. What, how much better do you think you'll be able to achieve your goals or what do you think will help you achieve what it is that you want if you're already happy or if you don't allow yourself to be happy? And I mean, it's so obvious when you put the question like that, it's like, well, as you're working toward that goal, if you're happy you're going to work toward it better, faster with greater awareness but if you're chasing happiness from achieving that goal it feels like you're walking a tightrope all the time and then you can just easily fall off and I don't know it's just it's a, and it's a miserable place to be and it's hard to be very motivated and and be and be productive when you're miserable it's much easier when you're happy it just kind of comes down to that so it's it's really important to understand how you've gotten yourself into the situation to begin with. So, you know, what is that limitation? If you're experiencing that resistance or that cognitive dissonance, you can ask yourself a very simple question. What must I believe in order for this to be true? Or what must I believe that makes it feel like I can't change or that there's, I don't deserve it or I'm not good enough. Any of those things. There's always a, there has to be a belief that's holding it in place. And once you can, know what that is then you can begin to accept it accept that that is what's happening or that's what's holding you back without that awareness you really it's i don't want to say it's impossible to to overcome it because i think in some cases it's it is possible Mm -hmm. it's just a lot more work and it's a it's uh it will wear you out a lot more but you can just when you bump into resistance or a limitation accept it first don't push it don't fight it don't resist resistance and then just say, OK, well, what must I believe in order for this to be happening right now or in order for this to be true? And so. For the longest time uh, with money, that was a, a really hard one for me, I felt like anytime time I made extra money, somehow some expense would pop up out of nowhere. And here I was losing that money, that little extra bit. I felt like I just could not get ahead financially. In fact, that was an actual belief that I had. I just can't get ahead financially. So knowing a belief like that, you go, okay, if that's what I believe, then that's what I'm going to make happen. That's what I'm going to make true. And the more I got on this journey with money to to, to resolve the issue, because I, I felt like I was Broke all the time, I went even deeper and found another very limiting belief, which was everything that I enjoyed doing would never make me money, and in order to make money, I had to do things that I really did not enjoy doing. When that belief popped out, oh man, I was like, Wow, okay, And I knew it was true. I mean, it just kind of like rang in my ears when i when I saw it as I wrote it out, and that's when I realized that this was the beginning of this really changing.
2: And so, um, so um, if if we were to summarize it from a like a step by step perspective, what would you say to the listener? Okay, um, choose an area of their life, um, notice what's what's coming up, and then and what, by accepting it, what do you mean? Um, exactly. I think
0: a knee jerk reaction a lot of times, especially for people who are in personal development, is oh I I'm not supposed to think that or what if i admit that this is what i feel or this is what i believe then is that going to take my vibration down so that i'm not going to be able to manifest what i want and that's i mean it's just ridiculous you 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 need to understand what's going on under the hood in order for you to make the changes and so sometimes that takes accepting and admitting to yourself that you believe some really nasty things about yourself that's the only way you can really work on it and it's not about judging yourself you don't want to go like some people will hear this and and I know I've been this person before. I know all of you through myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's that trying to overcorrect and go in the opposite direction. Like, oh yeah, I got to go, you know, judge myself for all the, you know, the situation in my life and blame myself. And it's like, no, it's not about that either. It's just saying to yourself, okay, I have some sort of limiting belief that's going on that's stopping me from getting what I want, stopping me from making the changes that I want. What do I, ha- what must I be believing in order for that to happen. And it's it's very uncomfortable to confront yourself that way. And then that's why so many people don't do it. It's because it's I, I think the other thing too is you're we're sometimes afraid of what might come out. I've had that happen. I ran from from things for for years and years because I was just afraid of what the truth might be or what I believed about myself. And then finally it came out. And the hardest part is never what the truth is or whatever it is you believe the hardest part is the resistance to it. That's what brings you down. That's what hurts so much. That's what, you know, we, we, we feared so much that we resist it, but it's really the resistance that's causing the pain. Once you finally just say, okay, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. It it really just all of that, uh, all of that pain, all of that suffering just goes away.
2: What is what? uh, So I think that's really common. um, What you just highlighted as far as people running away from those feelings. I think the majority of people that are are um, that are not moving, you know, um, towards it, right? They're moving probably away from it. And, and um, uh, would that be considered shadow-ish if someone's avoiding that kind of? Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're avoiding it, if you're pushing it away, um, yeah, you're, you're repressing it. And the fear, I think, and speaking from my own experience more than anything else, is that if I if I slow down or if I'm not resistant enough is finally going to catch up with me? Oh. And if it does then I'm going to not only feel terrible, but I'm going to have to I'm going to have to realize what an awful person I am.
2: That I I love the authenticity behind that statement, and I I, I know that that I've experienced that in different times in my life, and I know I'm sure that there's quite a few people that are listening to this that. Could, not just that are are consciously aware. After you said that, like maybe maybe they never really thought about it, but after you said that, they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. What, and then so I what, think
0: some people, in order to to sort of get control of that thing, then they go. Like I was saying, they they kind of overcorrect and they go, okay, yeah, I'm a horrible person. Okay, I said it. I said you know, and like, and it's like, no, no, no. Just relax into this, and just it's it's more. A process not an actual like this is who you are so really? it's more like no you're not your your identity is not something that's way off course mm-hmm. it's just that you've your sales and your rudder have been adjusted in a way that's not serving you and you're going kind of in the wrong direction so mm-hmm. all you need to do now is just make a different adjustment you're not inherently bad or damaged or you know it's not it's not an attribute of who you are it's just a part of a, a process that needs to be updated and changed
2: so the, that sense of self is about as personal as it can get right as far as as far as uh what we how, how we think um and you know when it, because by definition it's self. it's our it's 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 who we are um and you you just referenced who we are as a process rather than a thing can you talk a little bit about that what you mean by that
0: yeah, so as, as static as it does feel that like this is who I am and this is my sense of self, I mean, it, it really all is a process and we know that because w- it's not so much about changing the content, but it's about changing the structure of how you frame things. You mm-hmm. know, and, and NLP, it really started out as being primarily reframing because they what they realized with all these therapists, Fritz Perls and Virginia Satir and Milton Erickson, really what they were doing was taking what their clients were giving them and just putting a different frame on it, which means they weren't trying to pretend like it didn't happen. They weren't using other content to compete with that content and, see, and say, see, you know, this is so much better. Your life is good. They were just saying, OK, well, let, let's think about it this way. And just by looking at it a different way, putting a different frame on it, structuring it differently, then, yeah, you, you know, your worst mistake, your worst failure in your life, which you might blame your misery on and that you'll, you're a loser and you'll never be anything greater than that. If you reframe it, that will, that could be the biggest lesson you've ever learned in your life and a real turning point and and, and transformation and transforming yourself into uh, a person who is happy and whole and is doing all the things that you want to do and living the life that you want to live. It's all in how you structure it.
2: I was just speaking with one of, uh, someone from the group, um, one of the students earlier today, and uh, they were talking. We were talking about those kinds of experiences and how, with the right work, they turn into the richest wisdom that you have. Um, and I, I just um, just kind of reminded me of that.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, you can you can look at your life as a string of traumas that has destroyed you, uh, made you a broken person but if you restructure that you can turn that into uh, a story of a redemption and the and the, the greatest uh, and that's what we love right the hero's yeah. journey that's what the hero's journey is if the hero didn't fail miserably and then turn it all around then it wouldn't they wouldn't be a hero and we wouldn't be interested in that story and you can absolutely become the hero of your own story and using adversity and failures uh to do exactly that and you can get to that point and I know that's where I'm at in my life where I don't have a sense of regretting anything. And some people might think that that sounds like hubris and it's not, it can be, I think people can uh, think of it that way. Oh, I haven't really ever failed at anything. And, you know, the, the, there's nothing I wish had been different. Like I, I can have all those thoughts and feelings and, um, and, and part of what I do when I think of mistakes and failures is I use those to, to think about, okay, what would I do differently now? If I had, that same a similar situation happens, so that I don't repeat that situation. So they all become learnings, and they all they you can you can draw f- fulfillment from those experiences as as well, and and then even add more of a narrative to it when you've overcome it and you've moved on and you don't make those mistakes anymore.
1: And the truth is, if you reference in those kind of experiences as regretting them. You may not even learn as much from them because it may just be the regret, which is a negative feeling. You don't like it. You repress it. You leave the experience behind. But if you look at your entire past as every challenge you've overcome, every mistake you've made was a learning lesson, then you get much more out of it than thinking of them as regrets.
0: And I think people struggle with that because there is, it's, it's so front loaded with that negative emotion mm-hmm. about it. But if we can take a step back and, and like, I've heard this so much, people say, well, whatever mistake or failure that they're talking about, they'll say, well, I've, I've learned from it and I've moved on. And rarely has that ever been true. When I, if you start to, you know, if I continue talking to them, I can see that there's just this like residue that (laughs) that is just sticking with them and it's affecting the way that they think going forward. And then we do that process that, We normally use to transform counterexamples, which absolutely gives you that sense of really learning from the experience and then moving on. Because one of the things that in any mistake or failure that happens, in addition to violating one of your values, that's what a mistake or a failure or anything that makes you feel bad about yourself, that's what that is. It's also something went unfulfilled. And when we don't know or understand that, it stays with us. And oftentimes there's two different types of ways that we deal with this. Either we try to bury it, and repress it so deeply uh, that we think we don't, it's not there anymore, but not only is it still there, it has more power over you now. It's affecting you in ways you have no idea, so therefore it's stronger. Um, The other way that we deal with it is we loop it over and over again and beat ourselves senseless with it. In a sense, trying to tell ourselves, don't do this again. But what I think is really happening there is your unconscious is saying something went unfulfilled here and there's unfinished business. You need to go back and find out what was your positive intention behind what it was you were trying to do. That's what went unfulfilled. You need to understand what that is and you need to understand what you could have accessed within yourself to fulfill that intention. Because we don't want to be dependent on outside circumstances and other people. And, you know, if if, if our if our fulfillment is determined by. What happens outside of us, the things that are not within our control, we're always going to be anxious and insecure as a result of that. So Mm
2: -hmm. we
0: want to think, okay, what went unfulfilled and what would I have needed to access from within? What resources that would have resulted in my fulfillment, regardless of external circumstances or what someone said to me or did or did or did not do? So. How do we, once we know what the limitation is, or what once we know what it is that we believe that is holding ourselves in place, or in a sense, holding ourselves captive from fulfilling our potential, we don't want to try to force a new attitude or behavior into it. And I think that's what, again, where a lot of personal development goes wrong, and especially with affirmations we might get to that point where we do have the wisdom to know what's in our way, what's causing us, what's holding us back, what's the the limitation. And so from there, instead of really dealing with that, we try to paint over it and just say, okay, well, yeah, I I have a negative attitude. Okay, now I'm gonna have a positive attitude and I'm just going to be positive. Who does that work for? I don't know anyone except for you, but you're naturally (laughs) positive.
1: (laughs) What, What? naturally positive? Huh? I am truly positive. No, that's what I'm
0: saying. You're naturally that positive. I'm naturally. But can you imagine me, uh, you know, when I run into one of my I have one of my moments. If mean, I just, I'm
1: positive. i you know, just
0: feel like gritting through my teeth. <laughs> like, I'm really positive right now. Like, yeah, that's not going to work. So there are, and we've talked a little bit about them, actual things that you can do to transform beliefs and all that, which we're not going to get into here because it gets really in, in depth and it, it's better if we have. You know examples to work with and and demonstrations. It's not really that's beyond the scope of what we're doing here, but there's something we can we can do uh, for all of you out there if you are able to uh, identify a limiting belief that's holding you back from the, doing the changes that you want to do, and that is what we call the as if frame. So this is framing and it's or it's reframing, and you can ask yourself, okay, well, what if I believe something different? What if I believed and then just insert whatever the belief is. And what that does is instead of trying to force an attitude on yourself or force a new belief on yourself, it actually engages your creativity, which is probably the most underused resource within us, almost underused in personal development. You don't hear a lot about creativity. You hear people saying, Yeah, I want to be more creative. But what about actually bringing creativity into your personal development? Also, uh, playfulness. Uh, Allow yourself to think some kind of crazy and outrageous things. Like, what if you believed? I don't know, something rather absurd, your, your mind is going to start working in that direction of being more creative. And it's also fun and you're enjoying it. And I think that's another problem that people have when it comes to personal development. They feel like they have to or they need to, but they don't feel like they enjoy it and want to. And if you bring back playfulness and fun into your personal development and creativity, well, what are you doing? You're doing what kids do better than anyone else. You're learning. That's how kids learn. So we can bring these things back. They, I think people feel like, well, no, I have to work. And when I'm work, I have to be serious. And a certain, a certain amount of seriousness is good. Focus, I would say. But don't focus your way out of allowing yourself to be creative wow. and playful. So I I uh, used to smoke. Um, and what I would say about quitting smoking is quitting is easy. I had done it many times. <laughs> it's, it's staying smoke-free is the hard part right and so I started smoking probably when I was about 18 and at about the age of 20 I was like okay you know uh I don't I never thought I'd be smoking this long and there is no real future in this like this is not going well this is not going to be good I want to quit smoking and I quit and a few weeks later I found myself picking up a cigarette and smoking again and it was almost automatic it's almost like I, I couldn't stop myself uh, and I thought, well, I just didn't have the willpower, the discipline to hold myself back from smoking. And eventually, a few months later, I was like, you know, okay, I'm gonna do it again, I'm gonna try again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit. And I was like, no more cigarettes, no more smoking. And I was all about the willpower and the discipline. And guess what? About a not even a month later, a cigarette in hand, smoking again. And I thought, okay, well, I guess I just don't have enough willpower and discipline. A little while later, about a month passes or so, and I want to quit smoking. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try something completely counterintuitive. I'm just not going to smoke right now. And if I ever want to return to smoking, I can. So instead of taking away an option, I allowed all options to be on the table. At any moment, if I want to, I can smoke a cigarette. And I remember immediately feeling like, well, but I don't want to. Now, this is the integration that I was talking about. Instead of blocking out a possibility and blocking out the part of me that wanted to smoke, I said, Nope, that part is allowed to be there. That part is allowed to want to smoke. But as an integrated whole me, when we get together as a committee from within and say, well, what do we ultimately want to do? What ultimately serves our greater purpose here? Well, it's better if we don't smoke because of health problems and it actually isn't really bringing me any joy or it's not, the cost is not worth whatever benefit. And that was even the other hard part. It was like, what is the benefit of this anymore? I knew the reason why I started smoking. It was a, it was a social thing. I wanted a reason to hang out with the people who were smoking outside the dorm, uh, where I went to college. And so that was a good excuse because I didn't feel uh, like I had it in me or deserving enough to, to go and just hang out and just be there. So I had to make up a reason well, this is years later, I have a pretty good social life and I'm not needing to find social circles. So it had outlived its purpose. And once I understood all that, there was no reason to smoke anymore and I I just stopped. And it didn't even, I didn't really, I had cravings for a few weeks, but they just went away and I found other outlets to to, uh, invest in. So it's about allowing yourself the multiple options, allowing even the parts of you to want the things that are not good for you. It's about allowing yourself the space to grow. So anytime you're struggling, instead of judging yourself or judging the situation, you can just ask yourself, how can you adapt to that situation? How can you become more flexible so that you can move toward what you want without the struggle? There's always a bigger perspective. And the more you can allow yourself that space, the more, whatever the struggle is, the smaller that struggle will will seem. And so, again, this is really about activating your imagination and create sensory based information of you making the changes. And then you check with that, you know, it's like you start to imagine it. What what if what if I was doing this or what if I could do this? What if I could do it without willpower and see yourself doing that? And that's what gives you that sensory based information. That's what's really powerful. And that's why, again, why affirmations are kind of just empty words give yourself that sensory based information and then check in with yourself is that am i congruent with that or do i have any resistance around that and you keep playing with those sensory based most of the time they're images but if you're very auditory you can use voices and sounds and you keep modifying it until you find what really works for you and you can see yourself being the you you want to be you can hear yourself being the you you want to be and you feel very congruent, congruent with that and you go okay that that becomes my ideal and that's what I move toward and if you know NLP and you know the swish pattern, that's exactly how the swish pattern works. You uh, shatter one negative pattern and you replace it with an ideal image of yourself so that you naturally move in that direction because you're very congruent that that's who you want to become.
1: So one question when you mentioned uh, quitting smoking and allowing yourself the option to just smoke anytime you want, I've noticed that I think a similar strategy worked for me to wake up uh, earlier in the morning. I kind of did not impose myself to do it, but I just allowed the opportunity or the option. If I ever want to just sleep in, I'm just going to be fine with it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious though, do you think that that's a strategy that can work with anyone?
0: For sure. I would say it will work for anyone. It might not work for all situations. Mm-hmm. You know, there might there might be It might be a little more complex than that. Mm-hmm. But in general, yeah, I think if you just allow yourself that option, then you naturally kind of go, well, but there's a reason why I want to do something different.
1: What I've noticed is when you allow that, I almost feel even more motivated to make the change because I was thinking, you know, yeah, I allow myself to sleep in, but I just feel so good when I get up early and I'm productive that I prefer that. I want to choose that. So it's interesting how putting a less restrained um, rule on yourself actually motivates you more.
0: Well, for those of you who are parents and dealing with kids, you've probably seen a, seen a, a similar phenomenon. And in a lot of ways, I, I kind of think of the unconscious as being like a child, but the unconscious has a lot more wisdom than a child. But a lot of times when you just, there's a, there's a huge difference when you're dealing with children between telling a child they have to do this or giving a child uh, choices. And within those choices, there are certain things that they have to do. And when you make this full connection, like, okay, if you want to stay out and play for longer, then you've got to get the dishes done and take a bath and do all this. And once you kind of give them choices, but you connect those choices to the other things that need to get done, usually you get no resistance from them at that point. They go, okay, I get to do what I want to do. And I understand the deal here. I have to do these other things. Now doesn't mean they're always going to do that. (laughs) And sometimes you have to follow up with them, but what we're really talking about here is resistance. And so it's hard to resist when you have choices. So why would you not give yourself choices? You should always give yourself choices. Instead of trying to cut something out completely and saying, I can never do that again. Just say, okay, I can I can do that. I can anytime splurge and go eat whatever food that's not good for me. I can do that at any time. And once you allow that possibility, a lot of times you go, well, but I don't want to. I don't want to. And when you're able to say, I don't want to, from acknowledging all parts of you and what all parts of you want, that's usually because there's a full integration happening there and you feel whole about it. And you go, yeah, okay, now I can assess this with a a greater perspective. And when I look at it as a whole, what I realize is, is that, yes, this is not good for me and I don't want to do it. I want to go do something else that's better for me. All right, so should we wrap this up?
1: Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, um, we are going to have this entire um, conversation organized in a very nice guide. So if you would like to um, have that uh, PDF, you can check out the description and you will find it.
2: Excellent. Nate, you got anything? I just really enjoyed our, our conversation today. And um, if you have any questions, just leave them in the comments and we'll see you in the next episode.
0: Yeah. So. And wrapping this up, just know that there is no reason that you should suffer. Every part of you wants fulfillment and satisfaction. And as long as you connect with your intentions and fulfill them, you won't suffer. And this is something anyone can do. I know some of you out there might be thinking, well, okay, that sounds great. It might work for you, but it's not going to work for me. Yes, it will. This is how we work. It's really about awareness of self and the psychological patterns that govern your mind. When you don't know what these patterns are, you will get frustrated and things get confusing. Learning them is a lifelong journey. It's not something you learn over a weekend workshop. And I am still learning it. I'm not trying to say that. I I would say even a master, if you want to call me a master of these things, because I've been studying them for over 10 years and using them on myself. Okay, but that doesn't mean that I've reached some point where I don't encounter this. You just encounter it on different levels. And in fact, The moment you think, well, I'm a master and I've got it all figured out, that's the moment that you're running into another one of those boundaries. So it's, it's just an ongoing thing. So you just make this part of your life. And anytime it happens again, it's not because you did anything wrong. It's just because you're stepping up to greater and greater challenges. All right. See you on the next one.